Our episodes deal with serious and often distressing incidents that may not be suitable for children. If you struggle with addiction, feel depressed or have suicidal thoughts and you need support, please contact your local crisis centre or reach out to a friend to ask for help. Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Lincoln Park, would interrupt his family vacation in Arizona to return home early on July 19th to shoot a commercial. He made plans to meet up with his wife and children the following day. The details of what happened that fateful evening back in Los Angeles are sketchy. However, what we do know is, the singer was deeply depressed over the recent loss of his dear friend Chris Cornell and was struggling to stay sober. On the morning of July the 20th, a limo driver would arrive to take him to the studio. Instead, he would find Chester's distraught housekeeper claiming he was dead. Join us on a supernatural journey as we explore the death of Linkin Park's charismatic singer, Chester Bennington. We tour his music history, explore the mystical facts, and investigate the final days leading up to his tragic death. This is Death by Misadventure. Chester Bennington was born on March 20, 1976, under the zodiac sign of Aries in Phoenix, Arizona. His mom was a nurse, and his father was a police detective. The youngest of four, Bennington's childhood was far from perfect. He struggled to fit in, and at the age of seven, he was molested by an older friend. Too scared to tell anyone what happened, and afraid he would be called a liar, he suffered in silence. When he was 11, his parents split up. Chester's father fought for custody of him and won. However, his life with his father was not a happy one. His dad, who worked for many years investigating child sex crimes, was hardened by his cases, and it would take an emotional toll on his home life. Sadly, he had no idea his own son was being abused as well. Lonely and insecure, Chester would immerse himself in music and write poetry to cope with his depression. By the time he began high school, Bennington started dabbling in drugs and found that he was more confident when he was high. Chester fell deeper into addiction and at one point was taking up to 11 hits of acid a day. He would skip school, smoke crack, and then smoke opium to come down off his high. When he turned 17, Chester moved in with his mom, who desperately tried to get him off drugs and banned him from leaving the house. Weighing only 110 pounds, he used pot to get off harder drugs. Still trying to feel comfortable in his own skin, he even took a job at Burger King to earn extra money. However, fate would step in after a gang broke into his friend's house, where Bennington was getting high one day. They were pistol-whipped, and the frightening incident made him quit drugs. But addiction would creep back into his life just a few years later. (music) 
The turning point in Chester Bennington's life was when he joined his first grunge rock band in 1993, and they released a three-track cassette. He had big dreams to be a rock star, and eventually left the band to join Grey Days. The band quickly gained a following in the Phoenix music scene, and they recorded the singles Wake Me, Demo In, and No Sun Today. But Bennington was unhappy because he felt he wasn't given proper writer's credit and eventually left the band in 1998. After he split, he struggled to find a new band that would showcase his musical talents. However, after about a year, he became frustrated and was almost ready to quit his music career when fate stepped in again and Jeff Blue, the vice president of A&R at Zomba Music in Los Angeles, offered him an audition with an up-and-coming band, Zero. Jeff Blue sent Bennington two tapes of Zero's unreleased recordings, one with vocals by former Zero member Mark Wakefield and the other with only the instrumental tracks, asking for his interpretation of the songs. Bennington wrote and recorded new vocals over the music and sent the tapes back to Blue. Bennington became the final piece of the puzzle and blew away the band with his killer vocals. After Chester joined the band, they renamed themselves Hybrid Theory and released a self-titled EP. Legal complications with Welsh electronic music group Hybrid prompted a second name change, and the group was renamed Linkin Park. After being rejected by every major label in town, Jeff Blue, now a vice president at A&R at Warner Brothers, stepped up and scored the band a record deal with Warner Brother Records in 1999. On October 4, 2000, Linkin Park released their debut album, Hybrid Theory, through Warner Brother Records. Hybrid Theory debuted at number 29 on the U.S. Billboard 200, selling 50,000 copies in the first week. It was certified gold five weeks after its release. In 2001, the album sold over 4.8 million copies in the United States, making it the best-selling album of the year. Born under the zodiac sign of Aries, Chester Bennington had moon in Sagittarius with Scorpio rising. He was a spiritual truth-seeker and a passionate soul, driven by his creativity. However, it was complicated by a never-ending wave of emotional turmoil and depression, highlighting a possible danger that he might harm himself in the future. To dull the pain, Bennington sought healing through his music and relationships with others. His first serious romance was with Elka Brand, and together they had a son named Jamie, born on May 12, 1996. But the relationship would be short-lived, and just a few months later, his son was born. Bennington would move on to a new relationship that would change his life forever. Chester met his wife Samantha at a music festival. He was performing, and he spotted her in the crowd. He said to his bandmates, See that girl right there? I'm going to marry her. Samantha a Sag and Chester and Aries were a perfect match. Although they didn't have any money, she supported his pursuit of rock stardom 
and the two married on October 31, 1996. They were so broke at the time, he couldn't afford to buy rings, so they opted for tattoo wedding bands instead. Samantha was supportive of him, and they traveled the road to fame together. While they were still living in Phoenix, she would never allow him to quit music and encouraged him to practice singing on a daily basis. She would later tell David Frick of Rolling Stone magazine, when you really love someone, you want to support them. When Chester left for L.A., Samantha insists she had no doubts about letting him go. I believed that it would work out. I also knew that if he didn't give it his all, saying what if would have driven him crazy. The sacrifice paid off, but the road to stardom for Bennington was rough at first. He was homeless for the first few months in L.A., bouncing from friends' and relatives' sofas, until he had enough money for Samantha to join him. Rockstar couples in their lifestyles may look glamorous, but the reality, of course, is that celebrities struggle through relationships just like the rest of us. In fact, finding and holding on to love might be even harder for someone who's famous. Not only is your love life under a microscope, but the very nature of fame might change how you think and act in relationships. When you add addiction into the mix, it can become quite toxic. Life in the fast lane took its toll on Chester and his marriage to Samantha. He continued to be self-destructive, using drugs and alcohol. And at the time of Lincoln Park's early success, Bennington slipped back into addiction. Shinoda once told The Guardian candidly, The tours we did in the beginning, everybody was either drinking or doing drugs. I can't think of any that were sober. In 2002, Bennington would become a father for a second time, and his son, Draven Sebastian, was born on April 19th. He once said marrying Samantha was the most poignant moment of his life and credited her with pulling him out of an abyss of emotional torture he suffered as a victim of child sex abuse and later cocaine addiction. However, sadly, the marriage would not have a happy ending. Bennington, like many rock stars, was someone who spent most of his life on the edge. His success with Lincoln Park was largely fueled by his openness about personal battles with depression, addiction, betrayal, and self-doubt. These deep feelings of angst and inadequacy began early in life, Chester would tell Rolling Stone magazine in 2002. By 2004, Chester Bennington would hit rock bottom when he split with Samantha. Overwhelmed by anxiety, he was afraid to leave the house. He would wake up in the morning and take a shot of Jack Daniels to calm down, pop a bunch of pills, and would stress out for the rest of the day. At that point in his life, he was having seizures and was a complete wreck. Bennington would tell the Times in 2004, I think it's a lot more common than people think. If you look at it, there's almost two different types of kids these days in this country. There's kids who are really together, and then there's, like, train wrecks. The band did their best to support their dear friend and help him through his difficult divorce. Chester would later state in an interview about the demise of his marriage. For a number of years before the marriage split up, there were times when it wasn't good. 
It could be very difficult, but it never became an issue with the band. They never said, your fucking personal life is getting too much for us to take. You need to knock that shit off. There was a lot of respect and understanding. I definitely needed those guys to help me get through that time, and I can't thank them enough for being so supportive of me. Still, it was a major personal and financial blow to Chester when his marriage ended. He went from living in a huge house to a tiny apartment in Santa Monica. He was emotionally drained and bitter over the end of his relationship with her. Fate would step in once again when Chester's friend Ryan Shuck introduced him to Talinda Bentley. His connection with her was instant, and they moved in together after dating only two weeks. Talinda, a Virgo, had a calming influence on the singer, and she helped him take control of his personal demons. Chester would post a beautiful song on Instagram that he had written for Talinda, the woman who captured his heart. The lyrics go, Her eyes are like arrows shot from Cupid's bow. Her smile like the canyons I've fallen deep below. Her voice is like the sparrow that takes away my soul. His relationship with Talinda was a turning point for Chester. With her love and support, he was able to kick drugs in 2006, and they would marry the same year. The couple would welcome their first son together, Tyler Lee Bennington, on March 16, 2006. Also, he would adopt Elka Brand's other son, Isaiah, the same year. However, his life wasn't picture perfect. The newly married couple would be harassed by a cyberstalker. In 2006, someone took control of the cell phone, email, and PayPal accounts of the couple. This is where it turned really creepy. David Kushner of Wired Magazine would write, Chester was working on an album with legendary producer Rick Rubin. Talinda opened a message from an unfamiliar address. I'm very happy for you and Chester, it read. Then, as if to taunt her, there was a link to a website run by Chester's ex-wife, Samantha. Talinda didn't make much of it. She was married to a rock star, so she knew how fans could be. They blasted Linkin Park songs outside the couple's house at 3 a.m., nailed lyrics to their front door. There were always going to be encounters that you kind of wish went differently, Chester says. But the average fan really isn't fanatical. Two weeks after their son was born, Chester and Talinda heard from an old friend who had received a similar cryptic email from the stalker. While Chester was out of town, Talinda got a message from the same address. But this time, the tone wasn't vicious. It was weirdly familiar. I know you're going through a hard time being alone, it read. My thoughts and prayers are with you. The harassment escalated from there. And one morning, Chester's cell phone was called 15 times between 4 a.m. to 4.30 a.m. One night soon after, Talinda had just put their son to sleep and crawled into bed when Chester's cell phone rang. This time, she reached over and answered it herself. I'm watching you, a woman's voice said. Pretty soon, their eBay and PayPal accounts had been hacked into. By September 2006, Talinda hired a private investigator 
to figure out who was harassing the couple. Chester wondered if it was someone he knew. Is it one of the assistants of the guys in the band? Is it some new person at the management company? In the end, the stalker turned out to be a 27-year-old female who was a single mom and a Linkin Park fan. The private detective tracked her down via her MySpace page. She lived with her mom in Albuquerque and was a self-described computer nerd who, like grilled cheese sandwiches, hated applesauce and took pride in being a parent. The stalking started after she saw Chester's email address inadvertently CC'd in a mass mailing to promote a tattoo parlor he owned in Tempe. Using Chester's birthday and zip code to access his Mac.com account, she started guessing passwords until she found the right one, his middle name, Charlie. When officials confiscated the stalker Devin Townsend's hard drive, they found thousands of Bennington's emails, a detailed log of their friends and family, and more than 700 of their private photos. They also found one of Townsend's personal photos, taken backstage at a concert Chester gave in Arizona. Later that day, she would text Chester one last time, saying, I'm sorry for doing what I did to you guys. Please accept my apology. It was her last communication to the Benningtons. She would later be sentenced to two years in prison. In 2009, Chester, always an open book, would discuss his addiction struggles with Spin Magazine. He discussed his music side project, Dead by Sunrise, and how it inspired him to write several songs for the album. On My Suffering, Bennington sings about how his struggles helped him rise to international fame with Linkin Park, fueling the raw emotion behind his lyrics and vocals. It's literally about how being an alcoholic and a drug addict has paid off for me in many ways, he said. I have been able to tap into all these negative things that have happened to me throughout my life by numbing myself to the pain, so to speak, and kind of being able to vent it through my music. Over the next couple of years, his marriage to Talinda continued to flourish, and in 2011, they would welcome twins on November 6th. Chester would continue to stretch his creative muscles, and in May 2013, he would become the new frontman for Stone Temple Pilots after Scott Weiland left the band. He stated in interviews that singing lead vocals in STP was a lifelong dream. However, Weiland criticized the band after he joined, claiming he was still a member and they shouldn't be calling themselves Stone Temple Pilots with Chester as the new lead singer. In November 2015, Bennington would leave the band on good terms due to his commitments with Linkin Park. Sadly, Scott Weiland died of a drug overdose just a few weeks later, on December 3, 2015. For Chester Bennington, addiction continued to be a slippery slope for him, and darkness loomed on the horizon. In another confessional interview with News Corp in March 2017, the singer revealed... For me, I went through a lot of shit in the last few years. I fucking hated 2015. 2016 was better, but there was a lot of anger and resentment on my end I had to work through. All this was going on while Linkin Park was in the studio. He also hinted at the fact that he may have relapsed and was struggling emotionally. Emotionally. 
Chester Bennington first got sober after he married his first wife, Samantha, in 1996, but slipped back into old habits during Linkin Park's first tour. He would hit rock bottom again after his divorce from Samantha in 2005. By 2006, his long-term addiction to drugs and alcohol had taken its toll. His wife and bandmates staged an intervention to get him back into rehab and back on the road to sobriety. By 2016, Bennington had suffered a three-day relapse in August and had an episode where he blacked out from alcohol. He was desperately trying to maintain his sobriety, but slipped again in October. Still, Bennington used his emotional pain to help others. Born with the life path number one, he was a creative soul who became a bright light for those who struggled with addiction. He used his divine energy to inspire others and would openly talk about his daily struggles to provide support to others who shared the same problem. In early 2017, Bennington would tell Music Choice in a candid interview, My whole life, I've just felt a little off. I find myself getting into these patterns of behavior or thought, especially when I'm stuck up in here, in my head. I like to say that this is a bad neighborhood and I should not go walking alone. Most of my problems are problems that I caused myself, he continued in the interview. That's what that song, Heavy, is about. That time when you consciously look at that. Once you acknowledge what it is, you can separate yourself from it and do something about it, as opposed to being just in it. In March 2017, Billboard car writer Brett Park would spend an afternoon with Bennington to discuss his love of cars. The two met up near his home in the South Bay on the Pacific Ocean just south of Los Angeles. The two test drove the new Mercedes AMG G63, and Bennington discussed his passion for cars, their power, luxury, and how driving allowed him to escape from the daily pressures of fame and fortune. He told Brett how much he enjoyed living in Rancho Palos Verdes, saying, It's like living on an island, because it's hard to get in and out of. That's what turns people off, but that's exactly what I like about it. I kind of jokingly say it's the only island connected by a land bridge. Police are really great, fire department is really great, hospitals are really good. School district up here is the best for your kid. There's not a lot of gated communities, which is nice and you have neighborhoods where there's middle-class families living across from the guy who got the $30 million estate. So there's a lot of diversity, which I like. I feel like it's good for my kids. At the time of the interview, Chester appeared in good spirits, but he had no idea the tragedy that laid ahead for him just a few short months later. May 18th, 2017, his world would come crashing down when Chris Cornell was found dead of suicide in a Detroit hotel room after performing at a Soundgarden concert the night before. Bennington, who was also the godfather to Cornell's son, would write a touching goodbye note on social media 
after he heard of his dear friend's shocking death. He wrote, Dear Chris, I dreamt about the Beatles last night. I woke up with Rocky Raccoon playing in my head and a concerned look on my wife's face. She told me my friend has just passed away. Thoughts of you flooded my mind and I wept. I'm still weeping with sadness as well as gratitude for having shared some very special moments with you and your beautiful family. You have inspired me in many ways you could have never known. Your talent was pure and unrivaled. Your voice was joy and pain, anger and forgiveness, love and heartache, all wrapped up into one. I suppose that's what we all are. You helped me understand that. I just watched a video of you singing A Day in the Life by the Beatles and thought of my dream. I'd like to think you were saying goodbye to me in your own way. I can't imagine a world without you in it. I pray you find peace in the next life. I send my love to your wife and children, friends and family. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your life. With all my love, your friend, Chester. In an interview right around Cornell's death, Bennington spoke candidly to Will Lavin about his addiction and how the band's latest album, One More Light, had helped him to come out of the darkest time of his life and how therapeutic it was for him. He believed the record contained a spirit of hopefulness and sense of moving forward. On May 19th, Linkin Park would release their seventh studio album, One More Light. The album debuted at number one in several countries, and the band kicked off a South American and European tour. Eerily, the song One More Light talks about a friend's passing and represented a bittersweet tribute to Cornell's untimely death one day before. The lyrics read, Should have stayed, were there signs I ignored? Can I help you not to hurt anymore? We saw brilliance when the world was asleep. There are things that we can have but can't keep. If they say, who cares if one more light goes out? In a sky of a million stars, it flickers, flickers. Who cares when someone's time runs out? If a moment is all we are, we're quicker, quicker. Who cares if one more light goes out? Well, I do. Bennington briefly left the tour to attend Cornell's funeral and to say goodbye one last time. The Soundgarden lead singer was laid to rest on the afternoon of May 26 at Hollywood Forever Cemetery in Los Angeles. Cornell's wife, Vicki, invited Bennington to sing at his funeral. My name is Chester, Bennington told the mourners gathered there. I had the great privilege of being a friend of Chris's, and I was invited to be a member of his family. Then, accompanied by Lincoln Park bandmate Brad Delson on guitar, he sang a haunting rendition of Hallelujah. After Cornell's death, Bennington threw himself into his music, 
on May 27th, he would post on Twitter, feeling very creative this week. I've written six songs and I'm happy with all of them. Just getting started. The same week, he would achieve another milestone in his life. Bennington and his family would move into a beautiful two-story home that they reportedly purchased for $2.4 million in Palos Verdes. However, what his family failed to see was that he was slowly slipping back into depression. Haunted by the loss of his dear friend, Chester was clearly struggling. In early July, he continued to appear happy to family and friends. His Twitter account, Frozen in Time, shows Lincoln Park playing to sold-out shows in the UK. They would play their last show together on July 6 in Birmingham, England. However, social media can be deceiving, and Bennington was not as happy as he appeared in photos. In July 2017, he would cross paths with Ann Wilson of Heart at a TV studio and ask if he could meet with her. She would tell iHeartRadio that he was very upset and anxious about going up on stage. She believed that Cornell's departure had hit him hard because he recognized the impulse. He had been hit hard by this news and was incredibly fearful. Wilson said to him, let's just breathe here and look into each other's eyes and go. We're still here right now. Let's just do this. It would be the last time she would see him alive. A few days later, Bennington filmed an episode of Carpool Karaoke for Apple, a show based on the popular sketch by James Corden on his talk show. Afterward, he would go on a family vacation to Arizona for some rest and relaxation. Fate would step in one last time, and Bennington interrupted his vacation to return home on July 19th to shoot a commercial. His wife, Talinda, believed he was in good spirits and told him she would see him the next day. She had no idea that 24 hours later, Chester would be dead. What happened next on the evening of July 20th is sketchy, but what we do know is the night before Cornell's birthday, Bennington deeply depressed would have a few drinks and later that night took his own life. On the morning of July 20th, 2017, a limo driver would arrive at the home of Chester Bennington to take him to his scheduled commercial shoot. Instead, he found the distraught family housekeeper who had told him the singer was dead. Later that day, TMZ would announce Chester Bennington had killed himself on Chris Cornell's 53rd birthday. Their sources say there was a partially empty bottle of alcohol in the room where he had died, but the police found no evidence of drugs. No suicide note was left. On the morning of July 20th, 2017, the music world was stunned to hear the tragic news that Chester Bennington was dead. One fan, Natalia, wrote a bittersweet post on Twitter. 
In cards and flowers on your window, your friends all plead for you to stay. Sometimes beginnings aren't so simple. Sometimes goodbye's the only way. Chris Cornell's wife Vicky would write, Just when I thought my heart couldn't break anymore. I love you, T. Paramore's Haley Williams posted some insightful words. Artists are people compelled to bring beauty into a world that can be so dark. Makes sense, then, that artists are always conscious of darkness, and maybe at times made more vulnerable by it. I don't know. Life can be relentless. However, Chester's bandmates devastated by the loss of their singer would post a farewell letter to their beloved friend. They wrote, Dear Chester, our hearts are broken. The shock waves of grief and denial are still sweeping through our family as we come to grips with what has happened. You touched so many lives, maybe even more than you realized. In the past few days, we've seen an outpouring of love and support, both public and private, from around the world. Talinda and the family appreciate it and want the world to know that you were the best husband, son, and father. The family will never be whole without you. Talking with you about the years ahead together, your excitement was infectious. Your absence leaves a void that can never be filled. A boisterous, funny, ambitious, creative, kind, generous voice in the room is missing. We're trying to remind ourselves that the demons who took you away from us were always part of the deal. After all, it was the way you sang about those demons that made everyone fall in love with you in the first place. You fearlessly put them on display, and in doing this, brought us together and taught us to be more human. You had the biggest heart and managed to wear it on your sleeve. While we don't know what path our future may take, we know that each of our lives was made better by you. Thank you for that gift. We love you and miss you so much. Until we see you again. LP His wife, Talinda, issued a statement to Rolling Stone one week later after his death. She wrote, One week ago I lost my soulmate, and my children lost their hero, their daddy. We had a fairy tale life, and now it has turned into some sick Shakespearean tragedy, she wrote. How do I move on? How do I pick up my shattered soul? The only answer I know is to raise our babies with every ounce of love I have left. I want to let my community and the fans worldwide know that we feel your love. We feel your loss as well. My babies are so young to have lost their father, and I know that all of you will help keep his memory alive. She added, He was a bright, loving soul with an angel's voice, and now he is pain-free, singing his songs in all of our hearts. May God bless us all and help us turn to one another when we are in pain. Chester would have wanted us to do so. Rest in peace, my love. A private funeral service was held for Chester Bennington on Saturday, July 29th in Palos Verdes, California. An estimated 200 friends and family members attended the service. TMZ would report. 
Friends and family in attendance were given yellow Chester Bennington wristbands and memorial cards designed to resemble backstage passes. They paid tribute to the man they loved so much, and they said their final goodbyes. However, not everyone was happy with his funeral. His first wife, Samantha, would post on Facebook she was disgusted with the way it was handled. She wrote, There were many family and friends that should have been there, but when you turn a funeral into reducing someone's life into only 12 years, that's what you get. Rolling Stone would later write that his ex-wife claimed that the private service distilled Bennington's life down to his time as a rock star, foregoing the other facets of his life, especially his family. She claimed that she was not given the chance to speak at the funeral and implied that there was only one photo of her and Bennington's son, Draven. Samantha also accused Talinda of neglecting to invite her to the after-bowling celebration and also of never treating Draven equally. We haven't had the opportunity to honor his dad properly for his lifetime, and the lack of respect and honesty is just disgusting, she wrote. We do not have a place to go, or even any of his ashes. Both, two of the most important women in his life, one who stood by him on his rise to fame, and the other who held his hand till his final curtain call. tribute concert to celebrate and honor his life was held on October 27, 2017, at the Hollywood Bowl. This was Linkin Park's first performance following his death. The concert featured various artists, including Blink-182, members of System of a Down, Korn, Avenged Sevenfold, Sum 41, Bring Me the Horizon, Civil Twilight, A Day to Remember, and Yellow Card. The musicians also took the opportunity to advocate for mental health awareness, to provide support to those who struggle with depression and addiction. Alanis Morissette would tell the crowd, There's been a lot of vilification of people with depression and addiction and being troubled and being in the public eye and being made fun of for the challenges that we as a huge community of people with notoriety have gone through. And it's an extremely isolating, challenging journey to go through. And so for me, I just want to offer empathy to all the people in the public eye, to all of you here tonight, to everyone around the planet who's grieving. Later in the evening, Talinda Bennington would take the stage to thank the Lincoln Park family, the performers, and the fans. She introduced a new mental health resource called 320 in collaboration with Change Direction, in honor of her husband. It's time to recognize that mental health is as important as our physical health, Talinda told the crowd. It's my mission to make it easier to have access to mental health resources. Together, we will build a recourse, not only for those suffering emotionally, but also for friends and family members and medical practitioners who are seeking answers to questions about mental health, illness, and addiction so they can best support people in their lives. Fuck depression, let's make Chester proud, Tolinda said before exiting the stage. Before ending the show, Shinoda touched on a topic that was on every fan's mind. What will happen to Lincoln Park now that Chester's gone? 
He told the crowd, you guys, we don't know where we're going from here. We certainly appreciate your support as we get there. Most importantly, keep Chester in your hearts and make Chester proud, he said. Afterward, fans were invited to post photos and messages in a memorial wall to remember and celebrate his life. Chester Bennington, he must have had a sense that he would die young because he left the following stipulation in his final will in 2009. I request that my children's mothers or guardians encourage and allow my children to visit with one another and with my extended family or the extended family of my spouse on a regular and ongoing basis so that my children know that they have a large and loving family. He also instructed the trustee of his family trust, Talinda, to make sure they all would receive money to cover travel expenses to visit on a regular basis. Chester Bennington's will was filed a few months after his death and obtained by TMZ on October 24th. The singer left various assets and his retirement account to his wife, Talinda. The rest of his assets were placed in the Chester and Talinda Bennington's family trust to benefit his children. According to the documents, Talinda, as the executor of the will, has the power to license, sell, and renew copyrights, deal generally with royalty interests as any other property, and the power to incur the cost of preparing for publication any works not published by Chester at the time of his death. A few months after he passed away, his son Draven did an extended interview with a therapist for National Suicide Prevention Week. When asked how he copes with the sudden loss of his father, Draven said, It never really leaves my mind, but I try to distract myself with friends. I listen to songs just to hear his voice. Draven also shared powerful advice to those dealing with a huge loss. He said, take it slow, as slow as possible. Really, it just takes time. He also revealed his father was really good at hiding his depression. He saw his dad a week before he died, and he couldn't tell there was anything wrong. Draven said, now after it happened, I kind of think it was planned because I saw him the week before. On February 18, 2019, Shinoda said in an interview that the band is open to the idea of continuing. He stated, I know the other guys, they love to be on stage, they love to be in a studio, and so to not do that would be like, I don't know, almost like unhealthy. When asked about the band's future minus Chester, he said, it's not my goal to look for a new singer. If it does happen, it has to happen naturally. If we find someone that is a great person and a good stylistic fit, I could see trying to do some stuff with somebody. I would never want to feel like we are replacing Chester. For Chester Bennington's son, Jamie, he's recording vocals with his father's early band, Grey Days. 
In a Facebook post in February 2019, the band posted photos of Jamie in the studio, stating, Chester would have been so very proud of his son. We had Jamie sing along with his father last night at NRG Recording Studios, and his voice is great. Sounds a lot like his father, and we were all very proud to be a part of it. In September 2019, Talinda Bennington submitted an appraisal detailing some of Chester's assets to the probate court overseeing his estate. The docs obtained by TMZ show his music rights are worth over $8 million. The biggest chunk is from his current and future music royalties, worth $5.2 million. Another $1.5 million is attributed to his net share of publishing rights and $1.3 million in songwriter performance rights. However, Talinda has some unfinished business with his ex-wife, Samantha, who was married to Chester from 1996 to 2005. She has requested back child support from 2012 to 2017, which she estimates at more than $500,000. She also wants a share in his non-touring merchandising income and other royalty rights to his music. Currently, the two are working towards a settlement. A death of a soulmate does not mean the death of you. Chester Bennington's widow, Talinda, wrote on social media in September, just two years after the anniversary of his death. She shared a family photo of Chester with their kids, smiling and laughing, with a caption saying, This photo was taken just 36 hours before he took his own life. Depression does not have a particular face or mood. Talinda's touching post included an announcement that she was engaged to be married, and how you can find love again even after the death of a loved one. She also made a point that moving on does not mean she would forget her husband's legacy. She vowed to continue to make it her life's mission to honour his memory through her mental health awareness organisation, 320 Changes Direction. Talinda's goal is to change the culture of mental health so that those in need and their family members are able to speak openly about their struggles so that they can seek the care they need and deserve. For fans, the spirit of Chester Bennington continues to live on in our hearts and minds through his words and music. He may be gone, but he will never be forgotten. Our show notes, along with links to the news articles and interviews we used in researching and writing this episode, are available on our website at deathbymisadventure.co.uk. The show's hosts included the talented Eduardo Fahey in London, England, Tom Dre in Long Beach, California, and myself, I'm JC Nova, also based in LBC. This podcast was recorded at Skywave Studios in Hollywood by sound engineer Edwin Arzu and produced by Cosmic Media. A special thanks to Christopher Lang, our audio producer in Tucson, Arizona, who helps bring each episode to life. Kudos to Paulina of Upper Planet. She's responsible for the design of our super cool website. 
Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Death by Misadventure Podcast. This has been Death by Misadventure. Thanks for listening.